Good morning. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this Lord's Day. Oh, Lord, as we stand in front of you with the, as I stand in front of you in the word of God, we ask for your grace and mercy, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, uh, may the words coming out from my mouth uh, be encouraging and praising you only. Thank you for your heavenly grace. Thank you for your marvelous grace. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm thankful to God again one more time to stand in front of you with the word of God. It's always a great joy to stand here with the, with the word of God. Today my title is uh, How to Handle Conflicts. Conflicts. How many conflicts do we have, do we handle in one day? We may have to deal with many types of conflicts or challenges, don't we? We may have family conflicts. We may have work conflicts. We may have spiritual conflicts. We may have physical challenges. We may have emotional challenges. But let me ask you a question. What is the godly way on how to handle conflicts? To understand how to handle conflicts, uh, I would like for us to look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah's life and how he handled conflicts. Uh, we can learn many things from Nehemiah, especially concerning leadership and how one should accomplish the wonderful work of God. I would like to focus on how he handled conflicts. I have two teenage boys. Um, Joel is a high school senior, and Jonathan is a high school junior. And while preparing this message, I thought about how great it would be for our youth to understand at an early age how to handle conflicts in a godly way. I strongly encourage the next generation or the youth to pay attention to this message very closely. Nehemiah was a man who had to face a lot of conflicts or challenges in his life. But he won great victory over each one of his conflicts. How was Nehemiah able to conquer conflicts? You see, Nehemiah had, a, had certain principles that he followed in his life. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I would like to share with you five different principles that Nehemiah followed on how he handled conflicts in his life. Let's turn to book of Nehemiah. You know, at uh, work sometimes, uh, we are asked to prepare to give elevator speeches about our projects at work. What are elevator speeches? Elevator speeches are speeches just a few sentences long. They are called elevator speeches because they should be short enough to deliver to others in an elevator ride. It, it, could, it should basically cover the problem you're trying to solve, why, uh, why you are trying to solve it, 
have you solved how you solved it or solving it and what is the impact of your work if nehemiah had to give an elevator speech about his work this is what he would say the problem jerusalem and its walls walls were burned down why why are we trying to solve it nehemiah's elevator speech would say when the news came to me i was moved by god to help jerusalem and the remnant jewish people to help them rebuild jerusalem i fasted and cried and prayed for a long time and then god opened the doors for me to help jerusalem by rebuilding the walls how i solved it god gave me the ability the resources and enough help of the people in jerusalem to rebuild jerusalem's walls in 52 days the impact now jerusalem is once again protected with walls and the rebuilding has spiritually strengthened the jewish people enough to start a spiritual revival among the people it is great short and sweet and a good summary of the book of nehemiah you know what i don't like about elevator speeches elevator speeches usually don't discuss the day to day challenges that you had to conquer to solve the problem nehemiah was challenged by so many conflicts to rebuild the wall how he conquered conflicts is what shows our spiritual resilience and grit to do the work of god as i said earlier nehemiah practiced five different principles in his life to conquer challenges or conflicts let's look at the first principle nehemiah always acknowledged that conflicts are reality conflicts are reality conflicts are reality and we cannot close our eyes and pretend it is not there nehemiah never ran away from his problems he acknowledged them and he decided to deal with the problems many of us are sitting here are dealing with many problems personal problems there may be problems in our family life there may be problems with our physical body there may be problems with marriage there may be problems with the dealing our children some of us are going through tremendous problems that can mean life and death some of us cannot publicly even say our problems all of us who are sitting here are challenged by one type of problem or another that is why i always ask for prayers before standing in front of you with the word of god when we have problems in our lives empty words from the pulpit will not help us only spirit filled words by the work of the holy spirit 
can minister to each of our hearts. Dear friends, Nehemiah always acknowledged the problems. And for Nehemiah, the problems came very early. Turn your Bible with me to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10. It says, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, listen to the last portion, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Here we see the start of Nehemiah's conflict. Nehemiah is just beginning to do the work the Lord has given him, and at the very first step, as soon as he reached Jerusalem, conflicts started rising up. We see two men behind the conflict. These two men don't want any good to come to the people of God. In fact, these two men were upset that someone had come to seek the welfare or good of the children of the Israelites. Don't we have people like that today in our lives? They don't want what is good for the people of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul reminds Timothy that in the last days there will be terrible times. The last days there will be terrible times. And what was one of the characteristics of the people in the last days? It is written, they will not be lovers of good things. They will not be lovers of good things. Sanballat and Tobiah did not want what is good for, the, for Israel, for the people of Israel. Not only did they not want good, what, is, what is good for the people of Israel, listen to me, they laughed at them and ridiculed at them. Chapter 2, verse 19, the last portion of it. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? Then if you read chapter 4, Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, we read that Nehemiah's enemies became angry and ridiculed them. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life back to life for those heaps of rubble burned as they are. At one point, enemies even threatened the lives of Israelites. Verse 11, chapter 4, verse 11. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. I could give you so many examples in the book of Nehemiah on the, way, on the various conflicts. But we know that Nehemiah treated these conflicts as real because he documents each of the conflicts in this book. Repeatedly, we read, enemies came to oppose. They were despising them, laughing at them, 
and in one point they came to fight with them. Sometimes they want to intimidate or scare or frighten them and in some places they were going to kill them. Dear friends, conflicts are reality. Do you remember what our Lord Jesus Christ said about tribulation in the world? In John chapter 16, verse 33, John 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Did our Lord Jesus Christ face conflicts in this world? It is documented that before he went on the cross, he was crying and praying so much that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus took the ultimate conflict on that cross and redeemed each and every one of us because of his unfailing love, because of his unfailing love to each one of us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it's a very important verse. Paul says, 2 Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, in fact, everyone, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Please notice the what is this word says? It says, if you desire to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. It doesn't say that you may be persecuted. It says all or everyone who want to live a godly life will have trouble. Like Nehemiah, we should always acknowledge that conflicts are a reality. Now let me get into the second principle that Nehemiah follows. The second principle has to do with how he responded to the verbal accusations. How he responded to the verbal accusation. When Nehemiah was challenged with verbal abuse, he does two things. <laughs> Nehemiah chooses not to respond back to verbal abuse with verbal abuse. Number two, he refers the matter up to God for God to take care of. In other words, Nehemiah does, does not respond conflicts with flesh, with the flesh. Instead, he responds to conflicts with the spirit. Earlier, we discussed that a common way that Nehemiah's enemies tried to stop Nehemiah was by ridiculing him. In chapter 4, verse 3, chapter 4, verse 3, the enemies said, say, what are they building? Even a fox climbing upon it would break down their wall of stones. Huh. The enemies are insulting the work of Nehemiah and the people. He's saying that even if a small animal like a fox climbs on it, that the wall will fall. How did Nehemiah respond to this insult? Did he use verbal retaliation? Did he say, oh yeah, I bet you that an elephant could walk on it and it would not fall. <laughs> Did he say that? Did he 
use physical retaliation? Did he say, okay, you and me in the back, we will have a sword fight? <laughs> did he say that? What did Nehemiah do? He lifts his eyes to heaven. Nehemiah said, God, did you hear what they said? Did you hear they ridiculing us or mocking us? Did you hear that? Just take care of it. You please judge them for what they are saying. Nehemiah did not respond in the flesh. He responded by using spiritual communication with God. You know, there are a few jokes um, about how Winston Churchill, who used to be the Prime Minister of England, uh, was known for verbal retaliation. One day, a lady in Britain told uh, Mr. Churchill, Winston, if you are my husband, I should flavor your coffee with poison. You know what uh, Churchill's response was? Madam, if I were your husband, I should drink it. <laughs> Another time, a, a lady named Bessie Braddock, uh, who was a member of the parliament, told Churchill, Winston, you are drunk. Even the drunk Churchill had a response for her. Bessie, you're ugly, but at least tomorrow morning I'll be sober. <laughs> it's a rude joke. <laughs> we, we don't have to answer back for everything that people say. People may write about you or they may gossip about you. Don't respond in the flesh. Be under the control of the spirit. Apostle Paul did this in his life. He also was a man like us. He too was misunderstood. People questioned his apostleship. People questioned his motive. People accused him of so many things. What did Paul say? Did he use his educated background to retaliate? No. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, for, thou we live in, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapon we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Paul chooses to use spiritual weapons of prayer and God's strength which has the divine power to demolish enemies. Nehemiah, instead of responding in a worldly manner, referred every, every conflict to God through prayer. We see over and over again that Nehemiah approaches every conflict with prayer. Chapter 4, verse 8. This is, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Against it. So verse 8 says, the people plotted against Nehemiah. What does Nehemiah do? Look in verse 9. Verse 9. We prayed to our God. So when the enemies plotted against Nehemiah, he prayed to God. Now come to chapter 6, verse 9, last portion. Chapter 6, verse 9. 
but i prayed now strengthen my hands they were all trying to scare nehemiah nehemiah and the people work, working working on the wall they were trying to discourage them but what did nehemiah do he prayed for strength last portion of verse 9 says i prayed but now strengthen my hands repeatedly what does nehemiah do for every problem he repeatedly looks up to god he says god did you hear that god strengthen me god think upon me he refers everything back to god he takes to the lord i cannot finish the principle of referring every conflict to god without saying one other thing sometimes the conflicting comments that we hear may not be from humans how many times that you heard the discouraging words of satan and his demons in your minds let us say that you are suffering from some physical conflict satan will say that you will never get well he will say that you can never do the work of god with your ailment he will say you are a sinner that is why you have this illness dear friends do not listen to the words of the devil listen to the words of god what does god say philippians chapter 4 verses 5 and 6 philippians chapter 4 verses 5 and 6 let your gentleness be evident to all the lord is near do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god we also read in first peter chapter 4 verse 19 so then those who suffer according to god's will should commit themselves to their to their faithful creator and continue to do good the book of philippians promises that the lord is near and that we should present our request to god we should not fight evil with evil we should fight evil with prayer let me move to the third principle that nehemiah followed nehemiah followed third principle never speaks the words of unbelief never speaks the words of unbelief nehemiah chapter 4 verse 10 we see some of the jewish people start to complain they started saying saying the strength the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble listen to the last portion that we cannot rebuild the wall the people of judah were were losing hope and starting to use words of unbelief what did nehemiah do he took some action to help and protect the people then he says in verse 14 first four verse 14 don't be afraid of them remember the lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families your sons and your daughters your wives and your homes never spoke the words nehemiah nehemiah spoke the words of 
faith. Jewish people spoke the words of unbelief. Remember the spies Moses sent out to spy the land of Canaan. Except for Joshua and Caleb, all ten other spies spoke the words of unbelief. They said that giants are living in the land of Canaan. And in that, in comparison, we are like grasshoppers. They said we cannot have victory over them. Do you know what happened after they said these words of unbelief? Numbers chapter 4, verse 1. That Numbers chapter 4, verse 1 says, That night all the members of the community raised their voice and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Words of unbelief caused discouragement and even a possibility of aborting the mission of conquering Canaan. But Joshua and Caleb said, God has promised us to take us there. If he is pleased with us, he will definitely help us. Those were words of faith. When you faced conflicts, don't speak the words of unbelief. When we speak the words of unbelief, we are making God small. When we speak the words of unbelief, we are assuming that Satan has more power than God. In Psalm 73, Asaph had a conflict in life and his mind started flooding with words of unbelief. His mind started flooding with words of unbelief. Asaf looked at the prosperity of the wicked and wonders if there is any point in living a godly life. Why should I go to church? Look at what is happening in my family. Look at the ungodly. They are all well off. But for godly children, there is all types of problems. But what do we read in verse 15? Psalm 73, verse 15. We read that Asaph only thought these things. Asaph only thought these things. In verse 15 it says, if I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. This means... Asaph never speak those words of unbelief out loud because it would have betrayed God's followers. Asaph knew that these words of unbelief would discourage others. Sometimes, as human beings, thoughts of unbelief come in our heart. But do not speak it out. Don't open your mouth to speak words of unbelief as it will discourage others. Instead, what did Asaph do? Asaph do? Psalm 73, verse 17. We read that he went into the presence of God. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, 
that I understood their end. When Asaf committed that matter to God, he could see things in the right perspective. Dear friends, if you are ever discouraged, don't speak the words of unbelief. Go into God's presence. Tell him about all your problems. If you have doubts, tell him that you have doubts. If you have questions to God, ask those questions. God will not get upset with you or angry with you because you do that. But do not speak out loud the words of unbelief and discourage others. The fourth principle that Nehemiah kept was that he was never distracted from the work. He was never distracted from the work. If God entrusts you with the work, do not be distracted from it. In Nehemiah chapter 6, Nehemiah chapter 6, Nehemiah's enemies tried to get, get Nehemiah to have a meeting. If you look at chapter 6, verse 2, Nehemiah's enemy says, come, let us meet together in one of the villages. Uh, do you know what Nehemiah's response to this was? Verse 3, Nehemiah said, I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Nehemiah says, there is no way he is coming, that he is coming. And why? Because God has entrusted him with a great work. Nehemiah says, I cannot leave that work and come and talk to you. Nehemiah did not allow distraction to take him away from God's work. Do you know how much water it might take to cover seven city blocks with the fog up to depth of 100 feet. So seven city blocks with 100 feet depth of fog. How much water does it take to create that much fog? According to Bureau of Standards, I didn't know we have a bureau like that, but according to Bureau of Standards, it takes less than one glass of water. It takes less than one glass of water. Less than one glass of water can be divided into about 60 billion tiny, tiny droplets. Yet when those minute particles settle over a city or the countryside, they can almost block out everything from our sight. One glass of conflict can cloud our vision and dampen our spirit. What is the result? One conflict can cause us anxiety, turmoil, resentment, depression. These can keep us from accomplishing the goal God has set for us. According to Luke chapter 8, verse 14, the people of this world are being choked by the cares of this world, choked by the cares of this world. But what about the children of God? Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, it says, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but 
of power and love and discipline. Do not allow troubles to cloud our vision and distract us from what the Spirit wants us to do. We should always keep, and keep our eye onto the prize and avoid distractions. We know the passage when Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Satan tried to distract three times from his mission. Right before we attempt something big for God, Satan often tries to overwhelm, overwhelm us with distractions. Luke, Luke chapter 9 verse 62 we read, but Jesus told him, anyone who let, lets himself be distracted from the work I plan for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. If you allow yourself to be distracted from the work that God has given you, Jesus says, you are not fit for the kingdom. Dear friends, always remember your purpose for which God has called you. Do not let anything distract you from that purpose. Distractions will keep us from our God-given work. It will keep us from spending time with his word. It will keep us from praying. And it will keep us from having fellowship with other believers. And it will keep us from ministering to others. Do not allow conflicts to become distractions in our life. The final and the fifth principle that Nehemiah followed was that he had a right understanding of God and he had confidence in God. Let me say that one more time. He had a right understanding of God and he had confidence in God. In other words, Nehemiah knew the power of God and trusted God completely with all his problems. Let me quickly show you just a few things. Chapter 4, verse 4. He says, hear us our God, hear us our God. Nehemiah knew that God is a prayer hearing God. That is why he said, oh God, hear my prayer. Do we believe that? Do we believe that our God is a prayer hearing and prayer answering God? In verse 14, he says, great and mighty God. Or in some translation says, awesome God. Do we trust in the mightiness of God? Do we trust in, in the greatness of God? We may say our problem is as big as Mount Everest. But remember, God is greater than Mount Everest. God is greater than all our problems put together. Nehemiah knew that God is a great and mighty God. In verse 15, we learn another thing about the God. There says, when our enemies heard that we are aware of the plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. God had frustrated it. What do we learn here about God? God can nullify the wisest planning of our enemies. God can nullify the wisest planning of our enemies. You know, some scheme, 
of the enemies are very intimidating because they seem to be very strategic and well-planned. Don't be afraid. Your, your God is able to bring all their counsels to nothing. That is our God. Look at verse 20. Chapter 4, verse 20. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Did you hear that verse? Our God will fight for us. Nehemiah says, our God is the one who fights for us. When you leave the battle for God, God will fight for you. If you try to fight for yourself, God will not fight for you. But if you trust God and leave the battle to God, he will fight for you. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 20. In chapter 6, verse 16, it says, But all our enemies heard about this. Heard about this. All the surrounding nations were afraid and lost the self-confidence, lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. God is one who makes everything possible. This was Nehemiah's understanding of God, that God is a hearing God, that God is great and mighty, that God will nullify the schemes of our enemies, and finally, that God will fight for us. There was a young man named Joseph Shryman who was looking to get married. He found a girl and the marriage date was set. A few days prior to the marriage, this girl drowned and dead in a boat accident. After a few years, while he was in Canada, he fell in love with another girl and started planning a marriage. Strangely, the second girl also died. Very rarely do such things happen. Where, where both girls engaged to one man die. Joseph's mother was heartbroken hearing what happened to her son. But this young man was a godly man. Joseph knew his mother was Joseph knew his mother was heartbroken, and he wrote few lines in a paper originally meant to comfort his mother. Do you know what those words were? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. And what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Joseph had a good understanding of God. He knew Jesus was his friend. And that Jesus could bring sins, grief, and pain. And that he could take everything to God in prayer. Prayer answering God. Great and mighty God. God will bring enemies themselves to nothing. 
God who fights our battles. God who make everything possible. How did Nehemiah handle problems or challenges or conflicts? He realized conflicts are reality. Number two, he did not respond in the flesh. Instead, he referred everything back to the Lord. Number three, he never spoke the words of unbelief. Number four, he was never distracted from his work. Number five, he had a right understanding about the power of his God and he trusted him. Our God is a great and mighty God. Awesome God. Prayer answering God. With him, everything is possible. Let's conclude in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to study from your word. Oh Lord, help us to recognize our conflicts and always refer those conflicts to you in prayer. Dear Lord, help us from speaking words of unbelief. Father, let us always remember your promises and trust you completely. Father, you are a great and mighty God. You are a prayer-answering God. And we are thankful to be part of your family. Keep us safe as we depart. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.